Hello everyone and welcome back to the Just Interesting People podcast. Today we are joined with our good friend Tori and I'm so excited to hear everything that she has to say. I'm going to pass you over to Jeremy to introduce her properly as usual. This is our setup but thank you so much Tori for being here and thank you everyone for listening. Hey guys, uh, welcome again to the podcast. Thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you Tori for being with us. Um, so today um, it's going to be an interesting podcast because usually we try to set up like two or three different subjects, topics, and, and then we move from one to another. Um, and when I asked Tori about what we could talk about, we were like, okay, so music, travel, um, Judaism, and then it's like, at the end, you'll see everything is interconnected. So we're just going to have a very, very long conversation and everything is going to be linked together. Um, uh, and you're going to see Tori once again. She's the definition of an interesting person. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm I'm really excited for this conversation. And thank you for being with us, Tori. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, so we met Tori with, uh, through Daybreaker, like a lot of people on this podcast. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, Tori, um, she's been an MC a couple of times uh, for Daybreaker with us. Uh, she's a musician. She's really involved into um, the Jewish community in Miami. Uh, she travels a lot. Uh, so yeah, we're going to be talking about all that together. Um, she made us discover a bunch of things that we're going to be talking about uh, real soon. So yeah, that we, we're going to dive into it. Um, so yeah, we're going to start with music. Last time we, we, we saw Tori was about a month ago, I think. Uh, she invited us to her apartment um, for Shabbat on a Friday night. Uh, that was our first Shabbat ever. And we had, we had a beautiful dinner. It was 11 of us, if I remember. Um, and then at the end, I was like, you you got to sing a song. You got to play this guitar because she's an amazing singer and artist. And um, yeah, I was like, we got to listen to your voice at least once before we go. <laughs> <laughs> so she just grabbed the guitar and she was like, all right, I'm 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 gonna play this song that I wrote recently about this and that. and and it was so amazing. Um, Brought tears to my eyes. Beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, she's a, she's a writer. She got so many talent and yeah. I, I love that about you. You're so talented. <laughs> um, where this love from music comes from? How how did you get into it? Uh, yeah, before I answer that, I think it's funny because we were like, well, everything ties together. And you're saying, we're going to start with music. And we were invited to a Shabbat dinner, which is Judaism. Yeah, here we are. <laughs> so <laughs> here we are from the very get-go talking about how things are all interconnected. Um, for those who may not know a Shabbat dinner, Shabbat is the day of rest in Judaism. and It, it starts Friday at sundown and goes until Saturday. And there's a uh, a big tradition of holding a, a meal with community and friends and all of that on Friday evening. So that's what that was. Um, so I actually, so I think um, it's really interesting when you look back at people's families to hear where people get their interests and stuff like that. Cause I always think that there's a lot of connections. And even if when we don't know those connections, like it turns out being that we're, that we're like sort of, in our lifeline destined almost uh, to do, to have certain talents or abilities or skills or be interested in certain things. And so um, my parents own an event planning and production company. So my entire life, I was always seeing my dad on a microphone. 
Um, and that was very familiar to me was like, my dad was this really amazing guy that I would see on stage having a microphone in his hand. Um, and my grandfather, my maternal grandfather, so my mom's dad was a pianist. And so often my grandfather, uh, who I called Papa, he was very, very involved in my childhood. And so he would pick us up from school and he would take us home. And then, um, he would sit down at our piano and start playing. And the truth is that I really truly didn't appreciate it. I, in hindsight, I didn't appreciate it for what it was. Like I had no idea how, this gift that I had that this man was coming to take me home and he was sitting down at the piano and he had, I'm pretty sure he had perfect pitch. He could hear anything and play it and just like, yeah, incredible. Um, and then like, you know, through conversations with talking about my family and other things and, and like that, both of my grandmothers are artists. They're both uh, painters. My aunt is also an artist. I've had Broadway performers in my family. I've had cantors, which is like people that lead um, Jewish music in my family. And so music is just, it's in my DNA. Um, yeah, it really, really is in my DNA. And the the reason I play music um, and where I've sort of had that skill um, like encouraged to do it is, is really my grandfather. So he, um, I remember, I think I, my parents tried to put me in all the arts. Like they tried to do uh, ballet and I didn't like it. They tried to do gymnastics and I didn't like sit up, so I wasn't going to do it. Um, <laughs> Then I remember they wanted me to play the piano and I didn't like it. I didn't want to learn how to read music. And then, and I think all throughout this, like I was also, my grandparents always took me to go see Broadway shows because they had season tickets. So um, I was going to see shows and I was seeing people on stage and performing and singing and loving the music and singing along with the music. Uh, and then they took me to play guitar and I didn't want to learn it. I was like, no way. I don't want to, like I spent, I didn't practice and I spent a year, I think, of my life learning how to play Ode to Joy. Like <laughs> an entire year wasted of when I could have been like honing a skill, I spent it not practicing Ode to Joy and going back to the lessons and my teacher being like, we have to go over this again now. <laughs> and again, I just like wasn't interested in learning about it in that way. Like I wanted to make music and I didn't want to learn how to read notes. And so finally my grandfather found me this guitar teacher that was like, I'm not going to teach you how to write music. I'm going to teach you how to play songs. And that changed the game. Like that changed everything because then what happened was he was teaching me how to play chords and uh, I was learning about the makeup of songs and like what puts songs together. And um, then every time I came to a guitar lesson, I was like, I wrote a song. I wrote a song. I wrote a new song. And this is when I was in like sixth or seventh grade. I probably wrote like over 200 songs 
when I was, yeah. I mean, it was every single time I had a, a guitar lesson, I had a new song and they were awful. Um, they were so bad. <laughs> I was writing about experiences that weren't mine. I was writing about experiences that I thought I was supposed to have. Uh, so I would like write about love, but what did I know about love, you know? Um, and then I also, at the same time, like every summer I went to camp and I was always doing musical theater and all those different, always being on stage, always, you know, doing all that. Um, and my bat mitzvah, so that's the, in some practices, it's when a, a girl turns 13, uh, another, or 12, boys turn 13, girls turn 12, but in most practices that are more liberal, it's just everyone at 13. Um, and it's a big celebration that you've officially become a woman or a man at the young age of 12 and 13, uh, and a lot of responsibility, and it always uh, ends with a big celebration. So my parents are in the event production company side, and then uh, and so my party was insane. Um, it was Imagine awesome. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a lot of fun, um, and so my bat mitzvah gift for my grandfather was a guitar. Um, I'd had guitars before, but this was like my first really nice guitar where he took me to the guitar store and he was like, pick one out. And I picked out this ovation and ovations have metal or not metal. They have plastic round backs. They have a really unique uh, sound. And actually, um, you can see it in our, in our video call. It's this blue guitar. So it's like this blue alien guitar that has like the, the sound holes. There's like three on top and three on bottom. There's not one in the middle and it's an acoustic electric. So you can play it without plugging it in. And also you can plug it in. Um, and like that was my child for the longest time. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I just continued to do music uh, and write songs and all of that. And uh, for better or for worse, um, in high school, I wound up uh, – so I went to – I grew up in South Florida. And I went to a new high school my freshman year that just opened. And so – the theater teacher was the director of the camp I went to. So like we already knew each other, which was great. Um, and then I remember also in middle school, I would like play music for extra credit and I would write songs for extra credit. Like anytime there was an extra credit opportunity, I would write a parody or write a song for it. Uh, and the same thing continued in high school. And so my freshman year of high school in theater and in choir and in all these different things was amazing. And then my sophomore year, my theater teacher left. Um, her husband got a job in Texas, so she relocated to Texas. And they hired a different teacher to teach choir and theater, the same same gentleman who prior to that was teaching elementary school. So high school and elementary school are quite different. And uh, he was certainly – more position, better position to be teaching elementary school because like we wanted to push the envelope and do racy things. And he was like, absolutely not. Uh, and so that year I really missed out a lot of performance opportunities. And so the 
choir teacher from the year before who was the um the uh he was the band instructor as well he invited me into his office one day and he was like I know you're not getting the experience that you want this year and so I want to give that to you um we're doing this huge performance it's called mosaic it's going to be in the theater we're going to have like a rock band group of it and I want you to be the singer of the rock band part And I was like, this is awesome. And he's like, by the way, the theme is carnival. And I was like, great. I'm going to buy a ringleader costume. I'm going to paint my face like Kiss, but put like a treble clef over my eye instead of uh, like, you know, whatever. I had this whole, I ran with it and I loved it. Nevertheless, um, what wound up happening was there was this person that, uh, sent out these really awful tweets. And at that time, Twitter was brand new. And it was just like a stream of really hateful things um, that also Twitter was new at that time and like social media was new at that time and um, cyberbullying wasn't a thing. And so when I went to my school and I told them that this was happening, they were like, I was like, I, I just want to report that I'm being bullied. They were like, we, you know, thank you so much for coming in. We know that takes a lot of, of courage and this and that. And then I told them that it was over Twitter and they were like, that's not bullying. It's like, not real. right. It's not real. At that point, it wasn't real. Um, so not that it wasn't real, but like it wasn't recognized as being real. Um, and so that experience caused a lot of things to change because I wound up, I mean, long story short, I wound up transferring high schools. Um, and I transferred to a school where I did know, it it was a school that some of my friends went to. Um, and then when I was there, I, they told me I needed to take an extra class. And I decided to take American Sign Language. And um, that's actually – so because I transferred schools and took that class, I wound up going to college at the University of South Florida to study American Sign Language interpreting. So that's like what my degree is actually in. Um, I would never have guessed. I had no idea. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Another interesting (laughs) – piece of Tori. Um, so my degree is in American sign language interpreting because I, so, and also like throughout this whole time, I was always proud to be Jewish, but like, I feel like, and this is, this is Tori speaking in hindsight, right? Like, I don't really remember exactly in that moment what I was, why I was doing what I was doing, but part of me feels like the desire and the appeal of being Jewish was actually that it was so unlike my other, many of my other friends. Um, I had a huge group of friends that were like going to church every Thursday and that was their thing. And they were like, they were very connected to Christianity. And so being Jewish was different. And I'm an Aquarius, and so I like to be different. Um, and so I don't know. I like so like I wasn't necessarily involved in the Jewish stuff. Like my bat mitzvah, I there was no like connection to the religion or anything yeah, it like that. Yeah, was a big party, but right, it was a party, but it wasn't really like a religious connection. And so going to the University of South Florida. Um, there were a couple of organizations that were Jewish organizations that I decided to check out because I was like, you know, like it's just a community thing and being with people like yourself. Um, 
And I went through sorority recruitment and it turned out that I wound up joining the sorority that was like historically nationally Jewish and founded by Jewish women. But you wouldn't have known at my school because it was like 115 women and maybe five of them were Jewish in my school. Okay. This is maybe a topic for another time, but I have so many questions about sororities and frat houses. (laughs) That just like blows my mind. I have no idea what's going on. Not for this podcast, but another time you need to tell me all about it. I want all the juice and all the gossip. Oh, I have so much to say. (laughs) Yeah, I also, uh, I worked for my sorority out of college. So like that was like my first job out of college was as a leadership consultant. So I have have a ton of stuff that I can say. Um, Overall, very thankful for my college sorority experience. Um, So because I wound up joining the sorority that was connected to historically Jewish, uh, they did have a good relationship with the Chabad on our campus. And Chabad is, uh, Chabad on campus is like a, an organization that exists on campus and it follows the, um, Chabad is a type of, uh, it's like a philosophy of Judaism and it's an orthodox so like very strict um, and Hasidic. So also like it's it's spiritual and you'll hear all the words. There's so many of them. Uh, and so um, so there was this rabbi and his wife and they were like, Tori, come over for a Shabbat dinner and something like that. And I was like, no, thank you. I have literally anywhere else to be but here. So that was like two years of college. That's so funny because now, like, you're so into your Judaism. And then to hear you, like, you were just so not bothered by it. I don't know how long ago this was. But it's funny, like, the contrast, like, how much you've changed since then. Because, like, I only know you as who you are now, not who you were 10 years ago. Yeah. So. It's crazy. Like, it's it's wild. Because, like, if you were to meet me, or if I, if, if Tori now were to go back to 2012 when I was entering college and told Tori that I was going to be like this involved in Judaism, I think I would have laughed in my face. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I would have been I, like... I, I, I can understand that because I would, I would be talking to the Jeremy of like 10 years ago. Yes, yeah, same. I, I don't even think we would be friends. <laughs> right, exactly. So. Yeah, we for sure would not be friends. Um, so, yeah. So then I, after two years of them like trying to get me through the door... Um, one of my sorority sisters was the recruiter for Birthright. So Birthright is a trip that is um, for Jewish individuals aged 18. At that time, it was till 26. Now it's till 32. And it's a free trip to Israel, a one, like a one-time trip to Israel where you get to like discover the 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 land of the Jewish people and learn about Judaism and learn about Israel and learn about the culture and all that kind of stuff. Uh, And so like at that point, I was sort of like, yeah, free trip. Why not? Like, sounds cool. Um, And that's where travel starts. So we've now hit all three topics. Um, And (laughs) uh, when I went on this trip, I was asked to bring my guitar. So I did, Um, which also since the bullying situation thing that happened where I transferred schools, I sort of like not fully fell off, but a lot did fall off from music. Um, so I wasn't, I certainly wasn't writing as much and I wasn't necessarily like as, as out there with 
being a performer, it was more like I'll perform when asked and less like just all the time. Um, which is also a really interesting identity switch because people always knew me as the girl with the guitar. Uh, and so I went to Israel and like my mind was blown. It was, it was blown because I had no idea. Like I grew up thinking that Judaism was old and boring and like just these stories that were allegorical stories, right? Judaism is like 5,000 years of conversation and philosophy and discussion about how to be the best version of ourself. And there's so much spirituality in it. And I had no idea. So thankfully, my uh, the Rebetzin, who was the rabbi's wife, was also on this trip. And so like all of these questions that I had, and I was asking all of these questions the entire time and having these discussions and all this kind of stuff. And like, I just learned so much in those 10 days that like three days before the 10 days ended, I went to my Rebetzin uh, and I was like, okay, so number one, I don't want to leave. Um, so you told me about this program where I can stay for an extra week. Like, let's make that happen. And then number two, when I do get back in a week from now, I'm here, I'm ready. Like, I want to be on the leadership board. I want to like, I'm here. You, I have officially doused myself in the Kool-Aid, like (laughs) 100%. Um, which actually another interesting, like in hindsight thing is I've written, I wrote a, I was interviewed by birthright people recently. And I think the title of the blog is I took a bath in this, in the Kool-Aid or something like that. A hundred percent what I did. <laughs> um, and so, so you came back from there and then you were fully in a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And like, I always sort of say that that trip was the uh, the Emery board of the match of inspiration, which actually has a lot of like beautiful uh, metaphoric meaning too, because there's sort of this idea that like a soul is like a flame because no matter which way you turn a match or a candle, the flame is always shining up. Uh, and it, and you know, it brings light and energy and heat and all this kind of stuff that like a person brings into a space when they enter it. So, um, that flame of inspiration of my soul to want to like come back to Judaism, that trip was for sure the Emory board that lit that, uh, that lit that match. So, um, I spent the next two years of college super engaged and involved in learning about Judaism and like taking in everything that I could really like really take like a class was offered to learn. Yes. Every single Friday night I started going to Shabbat dinners. Like after I turned 21, my sorority would do, um, there was like a place that you could go for $10 all you could drink for two hours in downtown Tampa. And that was very much like a rite of passage after you turned 21 and it was on Fridays. And I was like, I'm going to go to Shabbat dinner. Uh, because the conversations there were so intellectual and so deep and so like thoughtful and all of that. And it was just what I needed and what I wanted. Um, 
so then I went on trips and I went to like New York City for a big Shabbaton weekend where there was 5,000 people from all across the country from different college campuses coming into this one neighborhood and being together. And uh, there was so much music too, like so much music. Judaism has so much music. Um, and I was learning all the music and I was singing the music and it was spiritual. And there's actually this uh, this type of song in Judaism. It's called a nigun. And it's a wordless song. And the idea, the reason why we don't sing words is because words bind us to an interpretation, mm-hmm. right? So like when we have words, there's only so so far our mind will let us go. So if we sing these sort of rhythmically with yai or la-la-la or hamid or something like that, it takes us on a journey to a place that we could never expect because we fully get into it without being like controlled by the words. Yeah. So um, there's a lot of those. And there's also a lot of those in like, I think like, um, like an Eastern religions and stuff like that. You see a lot of, a lot of connections with the Eastern religion, um, religions and Judaism's mindfulness practices that so many people don't know about. Um, so yeah, that was, that was all of that. And then after I graduated college, um, I started searching for my own Jewish identity. Uh, I went to this training. So at that point I'd been staffing birthright trips where I was bringing people back. Um, and I always brought my guitar because there was a campfire one of the nights and I would like play music on the campfire night. And that's pretty much all I did. And it was like classic campfire songs. Um, I've played Wonderwall more times than you can even imagine. Yes. (laughs) That makes me so happy. Don't want to play Wonderwall ever again. (laughs) Oh, not even for me. (laughs) I'll play it for you, but it's like the number one requested song. Everyone's always like, can you play Wonderwall? Um, and so, uh, then I went to this training that Birthright was offering for people that staff in order to like take their staffing to the next level. And I went and I didn't bring my guitar because I was going from there, which was in San Diego to to LA to Las Vegas. And it was just like a lot of traveling that was happening that I was like, I, I don't want to schlep my guitar. Um, but there was a gentleman there who had his guitar. His name is Daniels and, uh, he has no idea, but like where I am Jewishly in music is very much because of him. Um, and I walked up to him and I was like, we don't know. By the way, he's from Colorado and he's like, he's so Colorado. He's so cool. He had this like (laughs) big hat on he had these beads and this vest. He was just so cool. Everything about him. I was, I saw him and I was like, I'm very attracted to being friends with this person, right? Like there's something about his energy and his vibe that I just wanted to be a part of. Um, And so I went up to him and I was like, we don't know each other. I didn't bring my guitar though. So we're going to jam later. And that's that. And so that's what happened. And it wound up being after all the programming was done into the late hours of the night, we were all singing and playing music and it was amazing and like so much fun. And so then finally we were like, okay, it's like really late. We need to go to sleep. And he said, I just have to play one more song for you guys. 
It's super simple. I'm going to say the words. You'll repeat them. And we were all like, yeah, we're down. Uh, talk about like yes people, right? Um, your your FYFs, as, uh, as Rada would say. Um, so I – so we were all like all down to sing this song. And this song is the song. It's called The Song for the Divine Mother of the Universe. It's by Ben Lee. And uh, truthfully, his recording of it is okay. Um, but that song became the song of this entire experience. And there was this woman that was with us while we were singing and she was totally in it with us and all that kind of stuff. And the next day we find out she's the director of Birthright for North America. And we're like, we had no idea that this woman who is like so impressive was just hanging with us. Oh. And um, she's actually one of my mentors now. So I'm super thankful for that experience. Um, and at the end of the trip, or at the end of the program, the last day she gets up on stage and she says to us, you know, we talked a lot about making, building community and making moments and all this kind of stuff. And there are a few select people that we sort of created this tradition together. And so I want to bring up my late night fellows to share this song that we've sang together. And that was this song. And, um, the great thing about this song is that like, you don't have to know it to sing it because it's call and repeat, right? So the person that's leading it, you just repeat the line. Mm. So you instantly get everyone engaged. And like in a leadership tactic, you're asking somebody to open their mouth and speak it, right? You're asking somebody to actively participate instead of watching a show. Mm. They're actively doing it. They themselves are feeling it. It's their vocal cords moving. And that has such an effect on people to feel included and part of something, which also like in Judaism, there's this, like Judaism is, is a, a religion on doing. It's an action-based um, religion. And so that same kind of concept of like do it, right? There's a difference between being learning and saying versus actively doing. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's, you know, just like an interesting piece of a little connection there. So I took that experience of the fact that like the music that I was bringing on this trip could actually be more intentional um, and purposeful. And I brought that into the two trips that I staffed that summer. And then I met my uh, now former roommate, um, but we met when I was like just through the young professional world and I had a party. I was living at my parents' house and I had a Hanukkah party because at this time, like I'm also now very much involved in the Jewish world. And, um, I had a Hanukkah party at my house and I was like, I wanted to show you guys this song. This is like the song I play on all my birthright trips. And... I sang the song and my roommate was like, she's the director of a Jewish youth movement specifically for high school teenagers. Um, and she's like, we do this all the time with like, this is like one of the songs that we do. And so she's singing it with me and she's into it. And then like she turns around and she's like, okay, this is a really strange question. 
um, what do you think about being a song leader for our convention? And I was like, I have no idea what that means, but like, I love performing. So sure. Which, yeah, right. Like this is an, uh, which is another one of those moments where like Tori now going back to that Tori probably would have smacked that Tori in the face because like I, I hated services growing up like Friday night services were my least favorite thing in the entire world. And I just signed up to lead them. Like (laughs) what? What am I doing? Right. And I was like, yeah, sure. I'll perform. And at that point, like, that's what it was about. It was about the opportunity for me, this like suppressed child that loves singing and being in the spotlight and performing to get on stage and do it. And so I'm like awkwardly stumbling through the Hebrew (laughs) because a lot of the stuff is in other languages or is in Hebrew. Um, And again, (sighs) very difficult. Um, That's not an easy noise to sing either, I imagine. No, it's really not. Uh, It's not really even pleasant, actually. Um, uh, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, luckily, like, at that point, I'd been to Israel five times, I think. So, like, my ear was certainly akin to the Hebrew language. But, like, that doesn't mean that I knew how to pronounce anything very well. And I also didn't know how to read Hebrew. So... I was reading all transliteration, which like most transliteration is just pronounced weird and it's wrong. Um, Since learning how to read Hebrew, my mind has been blown with how wrong I've been pronouncing things. (laughs) Like so wrong. Um, And so that time, that moment where my roommate asked me to be a song leader and I had no idea what I was signing up for. And all of a sudden I'm leading something that I my whole life hated and resented. I started learning about what I was singing and I started learning about these prayers and leading these prayers and what it means to like what, what we say in Friday night services and why we say them and what's important. And it brought me back to music in a way that I would have never thought. And because of all those things, I was like, okay, it's time for me to invest in a really beautiful sounding guitar Um, because I I love my Ovation and it's a great guitar. It just doesn't have the sound that I was looking for. It wasn't deep. It's like a very narrow bass Ovation. So I needed something that had more depth and it was louder and all this stuff. And I was like, you know what? I'm staffing these trips. Like I owe it to myself if I'm going to be a musician in this space to get something that sounds good, right? So because of the Jewish song leading, I bought a new guitar. I bought a Taylor. And because I bought that Taylor and the weekend that I bought it, I sat on my balcony and I wrote my first song that I had written in years. So really, truly, it brought me back to music in a way that like, I have so much appreciation for and all the time I'm turning back to my roommate and I'm like, I don't think you, my, she's still my roommate. She will forever be my roommate, even though we don't live together. Um, and, uh, saying to her, like, I'm so thankful for her asking me to do this because of that. It's brought me back to music in a way that I never would have thought. Um, that's amazing. The full circle, like how it all comes together and it brings you back to that. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, and like going to Israel um, really just like opened my mind to the fact that there's different ways to live life and there's different experiences. And also um, in Israel, so the the way of life in Israel is that people, um, when they're 18 years old, they're enlisted into the army. Mm. And that's automatically. like yeah automatic it's it's a it's a draft it's not a um it's not by choice there are ways to sort of get out of it like if you're religious if you're a certain level of if you're like very observant then um you can get out of it uh there's a lot of people that really frown upon that uh there's a there's so much politics and all of that um but yeah everyone going into the army pardon is there a minimum of like two years or something yeah, so for guys, it's two years and eight months. And for women, it's two years and four months, okay. I think. I'm pretty that's, sure. That's a long time to do something you don't want to do. <laughs> right, and it's a, it's a really long time. And, like, there's so many positions within the Army, right? So, like, it's not that everyone's on the front lines. There's um, – and actually, in order to be in a combat unit, you have to – like, it's, it's very difficult to be in a combat unit. Um, so mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that are working desk jobs. But, yeah, there's uh, – you don't make any money, really. I mean, you get paid, but, like, very little. Um, and these people live at home, and w- during their time, they spend, like, all week on base, and then they um, and then they finally go to, you know, when, they, when they're 23, 22, 23, they leave the Army. That seems crazy. Yeah, 22, I, I guess, like, 21, 22 – that age is when they leave the army, um, which also like part of the birthright trip is that you have these Israelis that are in the army that join your trip for part of the trip, um, mm-hmm. not to serve as protection. They're there solely because we're college students and they're in the army. And so like, let's connect and talk about like our life and experiences and all that kind of stuff. So I had a lot of opportunity to get to know all of these Israelis and a big part of their culture is once you finish the army, if you come from a well-to-do family, you might just go on a trip or you'll like spend a year working and then you're going to go on a trip. Like there's this big part of that culture that when you're finished with the army, you travel. And many of them will go to Asia and they'll travel. And it's not like you go on a week vacation. Like you travel. There's some people that will travel for a year. There's people that will travel for a few months. Whatever they're able to, as long as they're able to leave and travel, they will. Um, And so I'm like sitting at 22 years old, right? So this this was before a lot of this happened. This was right after my first job in college. And I'm like, you know... I want to see the world. And I feel like I can't put a pause on my life because I live in the United States where like America expects you graduate, you go to, you graduate high school, you go to college, you graduate college, you get a job. And then this is like the way that you have to live your life. And then you have to and work for the rest house of and you get married and you have a kid and you fucked. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Like there's like a very specific way to live your life here. And so I was like stuck on that. But then I was like, wait a second. I'm 22, 23. I don't remember how old I was at this time. I think 22, almost turning 23. And I have a college degree. 
So, and then my friends in Israel are 22 and they're just finishing the army and they're going to go to college after that. So already I'm like five years ahead of them, right? Um, so I can go travel. Like that's okay. Uh, and so I was talking to my mom about it and she's like, go on a trip. Yeah, whatever. Like wherever, wherever you want to go, go on a trip. And I said, I want to go to Africa. And she, and she was like, really? Like, why don't you go to Europe? (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, everyone goes to Europe again. Aquarius. Yeah. Have to be different. Um, but really what it was is that the other thing that Israel brought me to was like my love for nature because I didn't grow up really hiking or doing outdoor things because – I mean I did outdoor things but they were – like Florida outdoors is a lot more passive, right? Like you can't really go on a long hike. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, it's flat. flat. <laughs> yeah, it's flat. So you can't really go on a long hike or anything like that. So there's just a different type of appreciation for nature. Um, and in Israel, we were going on these hikes in the desert and I was like seeing all these magnificent things and in mountains and like, it was, it was just mind blowing. And I had no idea that the world was so beautiful. And like my favorite place in the entire world is the desert, specifically the desert in Israel, which is called the Negev. Um, and so I was like, well, where can I go that I'm going to see nature? Africa. Like, yeah. I said, I want to go on a safari. I want to see elephants and lions and all of these other magnificent animals. And I want to be blown away by nature. And my mom was like, are you sure you don't want to go to Europe? And Venice is real nice. <laughs> right. Uh, and I was like, yeah, I'm sure I'm, I'm not going to Europe. I'm going to Africa. And then she, so I booked that trip. And it was three weeks uh, backpacking in Africa with – it was like an organized type thing. But I was going to be camping every night. Um, and we were cooking all of our meals. And it was five countries in three weeks. So we went to Kenya – Tanzania, uh, Malawi, Zambia, and Zimbabwe. Wow. Yeah, it was, wow, it was amazing. Um, Now I I understand why you just come back from Galapagos Island. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that's why, yeah, exactly. It's all about nature. Um, And so then, and I realized like also like being a person that's led these trips, these group trips, I went into this trip with an expectation of like, this was going to be another opportunity where I was going to build a community and it was going to be awesome and all that. And it wasn't so much that the people on the trip were very nice. They weren't necessarily my people. Um, and also the trip itself was not focused on building community the way that we were focused on it on these birthright trips, right? Like that was birthright was like a community building while in Israel. And this trip was, going to see Africa and and traveling through these countries and going on safari. And like, if you happen to make friends, you happen to make friends. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, except that you were stuck with them for three weeks on the same bus. So um, that, that I think made me 
go more inside, right? My own mind where I'm like very much an extroverted person. I was sort of forced to go inward and think and reflect and like journal and keep track and take photos and all these different things. And um, I have this picture that's my favorite. So when pe- whenever people say like, where's your favorite place in the world? I'm like, it's not really a favorite place. It's actually a favorite moment. Um, and it's specifically, so we were in the Serengeti and, um, we camped that night. We spent, we like slept overnight in the Serengeti and the campsite. Are you scared of being eaten by something like a lion or a tiger or? No, I have no, I like really have no fears. Oh my God. Wow. Okay. (laughs) I mean, that's not true. Like I definitely have fears, but like. That's not one of them. Well, why would that be a fear? I was with an organized trip that was like, they were saying that this is safe to do. So of course it's safe. Yeah. I think right? I still freak out a little bit. <laughs> so yeah, no, I, there was like no part. Of, actually, I was really like, I hope I see a lion and that we cuddle with each other is really what I hope happens. <laughs> Um, truthfully don't really understand how these animals can be violent because they're just so they're just so cute Um, and so during the night we have our our tents pitched and we're sleeping in our tents and you can hear all of the animals at night which is so cool because like I sort of like remembered the sounds of the animals like a, a, a hyena goes it goes, oh, and then a hippo goes, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> and you just like had these different sounds that you would hear throughout the night. That was so, it was so cool. And then I woke up in the morning um, and watched and we got into our, so there's like two times that you would go on a game drive is what it's called. Safari actually means journey in Swahili. So like any time someone in Kenya or Tanzania that speaks Swahili is going on a trip. They're going to say they're going on a safari. It's not specifically associated with animals. So with animals, when you want to go see animals, that's a game drive. Okay. Um, because animals are considered game regardless if you're hunting them or not. So mm-hmm. this is not necessarily to hunt, which do not hunt animals, please, unless it's for food. Don't do it for fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we woke up. We got into our safari, uh, our trucks. And the sun is rising as we're driving around and we see zebras and we see um, some leopards and we just like see all these magnificent animals. And there's just one moment where there was one person in our group that like signed up to do a, an air balloon thing safari where you could like take an air balloon across the Serengeti and see the animals from up top which I guess is cool but like I wanted to see them up close so I wasn't so interested in that and we were stopped and to my right are two lions that are just like hanging out licking themselves and then right in front of me is this massive balloon up in the sky and I have a photo of this I'll send it to you afterwards um and at that moment I just like looked at the people that I was in the safari truck with and I was like 
if someone were to get down on their knee right now and ask me oh. to marry them, I would say yes. And it's not because of the person. It's because I've never experienced love the way I'm experiencing love for this moment. Wow. Like I was so in love with that moment and that moment is like so special and sacred to me. Um, and like nature is also my connection to Judaism because it's so spirit. Like it's, it's, I think that there's multiple ways that people can connect with like this idea of God, right? So I'm going to bring up the elephant in the room, which is God. Um, <laughs> Cause it's a lot of people's least favorite topic and not least favorite topic, but certainly like terrified to approach topic. Yeah. It's a bit taboo sometimes, isn't it? Like yeah. to talk about it and. Yeah. And like when somebody asks me if I believe in God, especially as somebody that's like so involved in Judaism, um, I always feel like I have to explain what I think God is mm -hmm. because I think that like in modern society, when we hear the word God, we think of someone watching down over us, making decisions and all that kind of stuff, which is like very much not the Jewish perspective on God. Um, and there are multiple Jewish perspectives on God. Uh, prefacing with that, I'm going to tell you what mine is and it is one of the perspectives. Um, so this idea that like nature, right, which is so perfectly crafted and I'm going to, I'm going to connect this one to my Galapagos trip which I just got back from, um, when I was there, they were telling us that a sea turtle lays 100 eggs. And then of those 100 eggs, about 10% of the eggs hatch. And of that 10% that hatch, about 10% make it to the water and survive, right? So we've now had from 100 laid eggs, one sea turtle survives. Which we can look at that and say, that's sad. Or we can look at that and say, how crazy is it that nature has figured out that a sea turtle has to lay 100 eggs in order for that species to survive and sustain and flourish? Because it's not that like, it's not like the Galapagos isn't a protected place. It's not from humans that that's, that's statistics are happening. It's mm. because nature, right? Yeah. The predators and all that. And I just think about this in like every capacity, sort of like in in looking at, even looking at a chair, right? If When you look at a chair and you think about something so simple that we take advantage of every single day, you think about the design and the, the um, engineering and all the thought that went into creating this piece that is like so essential for us to sit and that's insane and that's crazy and that's magnificent and that's godly, right? Um, there's this idea in Judaism. It's, it's not that there is one God, but that there is nothing but God. So what that means is that everything has godliness within and inside of it. And so it's not about like – Anything that we're doing is godly, right? 
And so to constantly be reminded of that, and I think that like in nature is really where I see it the most, that like there's just how did the world figure out whatever it is, right? This higher power, whatever it is that has figured out for all of us to coexist and live and be on this cycle and all that kind of stuff. Like that's incredible. So that's sort of where where traveling becomes so important to me is that it's sort of like this rejuvenation, rejuvenation, <laughs> but of um my beliefs and thoughts and and all of that uh when it comes to spirituality and music inspired by those experiences and um yeah, I mean yeah, that's that was a really long answer to how did you uh, get involved with music? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but it's it's yeah, it's actually amazing how everything is just actually interconnected. Like like you, yeah, that's like you 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 got into music and and like music because you you got kicked out of the music to change uni that got you into the religion and that got you into traveling and that got you back to the music and like the whole yeah the whole thing is pretty <laughs> you can't make it up right yeah you can't just <laughs> yeah it really is cyclical like it's very and now like all those things feed into each other right so like jewish music is a huge piece of the type of music that i do and i do song leading um and i travel for song leading so like <laughs> That's, you know, it's it's all very, very much interconnected and those experiences are very much interconnected with one another. Um, and I'm super thankful to have those. I would say those three things are certainly like the core of my identity, right? Like if you think about like what is it that makes up Tori, I would say it's travel, Judaism, music, go. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing that you you found a way to link everything you like in, into one thing like you don't have to keep them separate like it's that's pretty amazing because most yeah and there's no sacrifices either yeah. you're not like oh i have to do music but that means i can't do this like you can do all three together yeah i i didn't find that like that for sure found me right like i think it, it comes from being open to experience and saying yes um, and it for sure felt like there wasn't a part where I was like, okay, how do I bring these three things together? They started to, they melded together. together. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I find it interesting as well. Like I'm going back literally to the first, <laughs> to the second minute, like you started to like music when someone told you you don't have to just learn this way and and practice and and follow the rules you actually started to enjoy music when someone told you there is a freedom there and and just follow this thing and and, and you're gonna find your flow and you're gonna find your way into the music that's how we started i love that yeah which is also my experience with judaism like that was when I started liking Judaism, when I was sort of told the same thing. 
and travel is nothing but your own experience, right? Um, again, it's because I'm an Aquarius and I have to be different. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, wow, I've never really thought of that before. But that's uh, quite profound. Yeah, it, it must, when you think about it, that, that tells a lot about you and that must show up in a lot of things. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm sure about that. Yeah, I love um, discourse is like one of my favorite things in the entire world. And uh, I'm certainly a devil's advocate for the sake of being the devil's advocate. Uh, although I, I always try, I feel like devil's advocate has a, a negative connotation, right? Because it seems like you're doing it maliciously. Yeah. Um, I think more so what it is, is like it's a guided push to get a deeper explanation um, and anytime I have conversations about like Judaism or like perspectives on the world or anything like that, um, first of all, I love hearing everyone else's perspective. I think that that only solidifies my own perspective or like opens up my mind to see something else, which is just as important. Um, and I think that uh, truly understanding like the deep, deep meaning of something or like the deep inspiration or the core. And like I had a mentor when I was in college that told me we're – basically he said that we're – everything we are is a makeup of our experience. I agree, yeah. Right. And so that was like a mind-blowing thing that – I. I'm sure I realized, but like hearing it said out loud is really what sort of transitioned the way I thought and approached things where like we all, everything, I, I truly think that nobody in the world has a bad intention. Like I, I really think, I hope, you know, like I'm, there potentially are some people who have bad intention, but like the things that we do are often rooted from a place of love and understanding and just what we know yeah yeah i i like yeah i've heard some things and it's like no one is no one is born an asshole like right there, there is a reason usually if you have i mean a few are but like most people you don't born an asshole you you just have things happening in your life that yeah make you take a different turn and and, and shit happens sometimes but yeah yeah we, we don't know everything yeah yeah, and so if we can just be, you know, truly understand people for who they are and where they come from and hear their origin stories or hear, you know, their their decisions, hear, hear maybe what motivates their decisions, um, I think that's how we make the world a better place. And, like, that's another reason to travel, right? Because, like, if, if we were stuck to the same – you know, I learned – when I was in Africa, I learned that in um, Germany – wedding rings engagement rings are on your left hand and your wedding ring is on your right hand hmm. i traveled with a, a german couple um and that was like whoa how crazy is that where you like from our country we might see that and be like oh somebody's maliciously switching their wedding ring or like maybe they're not married or whatever it is but no it's just that like a different culture does something different so yeah. um yeah there's this, there's this funny saying that goes two Jews, three opinions, because um, you ask one 
Jewish person something, they're going to have their opinion. You ask another, they're going to have their opinion. And then together they'll have a third opinion. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, I totally agree that traveling opens up a lot of perspective and, and it helps put your own life in perspective and it helps also like, yeah, like grow compassion and, and, and love and understanding and acceptance and, and, and all these things. Yeah. So I have a question before we end things, because I don't know if we're planning on any things anytime soon, but I have a question. So you studied American Sign Language. Have you ever used that since? Is that a hobby? Like, I'm just like, that's been in my mind since you said, it. I was like, what? <laughs> like, how did you decide to do that? And have you used it since? Or is that just something you did once and now it's not part of your life anymore? Yeah. So um, I worked as an interpreter for a while. Um, and for a while, it really wasn't... it. it it's interesting. And I think about this a lot. Um, I think that, uh, I, I didn't, I love sign language. I love the deaf culture. Being an interpreter means some, being somebody else's voice. And I just don't think that that was the right path for me. Um, and like, opportunities. Um, so I moved back down to South Florida and even when I was, when I was graduating, I was told South Florida is the wild west. (laughs) Um, when it comes to interpreting and so to be careful and all that kind of stuff. And so I reached out to a lot of people trying to find a mentor, trying to find like my way into the door. I was working for my parents. Uh, and the deal was because interpreting is freelance work. Um, the deal was that I would work for my parents. And then as, as more interpreting work came out, that's, that's sort of where, um, yeah, I would be able to focus that. And even though I reached out to people and I was like, I will come observe you for free. Like I don't need money. Like I just want to grow my skill. Um, there just wasn't really like response and, and like, I'm sure part of it was that I maybe didn't do enough research. Um, and that there was, you know, so like just a lot of opportunities that just didn't, I didn't get opportunity. And so, um, when it came game time of like, what decision do you make? It was sort of, well, I've at this point become so much more committed and rooted with like the Jewish thing that like that's um, what feels feels right to me. Uh, Did you have someone who was deaf to do that in the first place? Was that your motivation at the beginning? I don't know if that's a bit too personal to ask. I don't know. Or if it was just. No, it was again. It was. It was again another performance motivated thing (laughs) where like. sign language is very performative. Uh, and it, I think it was two things. Like the first piece was that signing itself is like really beautiful and expressive. And, um, when I was in high school, my ASL teacher was like, you're our top student. Like, wow, I can't believe how quickly you're getting this and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, at that point, it was really being like encouraged and pushed forward and all of yeah, that. Yeah, do something you're good at doing. 
Right, exactly. So, um, and I think that like the theatrical piece, like my my background in theater um, helped with sign language because it is like so much of sign language is actually not just the the signs that your hands are making it's also facial expressions and and body position and and yeah non-manual um non-manual signals and so people that didn't necessarily like weren't as comfortable in their bodies wouldn't be able to express that way uh and um that was just like with theater that was easy Mm. so um i think that was a big piece of why i got connected to it but then i traveled to the Florida School of the Deaf and Blind, I went on a field trip um, my junior year, and I met this student at the Florida School for the Deaf and Blind who gave me my first sign name, which uh, you can only get a sign name from a deaf individual. Like, you can't give yourself one. Okay. And um, – and I think also like the other fascinate not fascination, but the other thing that like really pulled me in was that the, it was like this beautiful tight knit community that had all these like norms within it. And I loved that. And I loved learning about the community. Um, and it had its own art and expression and, and poetry and theater and all that kind of stuff. So um, once I got that sign name, I was like, that's it. I'm in. Like I'm <laughs> – I'm here for this. Like I'm, I'm sold, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so that's kind of where that started. I I feel also it's, and I might, I might just be making this up, but like, it's, it's a good representation of you because like you, you like community, like you like to bring people together and somehow you decided to study something that helps people that are kind of disconnected with the world to connect them with the world and and i don't know maybe unconsciously i think that's part of it that's kind of who you are yeah i i definitely think that that's uh that's a piece of it and um and still like it's something i'm always thinking about i went to uh i got called into jury duty like a few months ago and i showed up for jury duty and they had an instructional video and the video didn't have subtitles and i like don't understand how we live in a world where things don't have subtitles or an interpreter in the corner perhaps uh would be actually would be better um but i (laughs) it turned out that i did i couldn't do the jury duty because i didn't change my address and i no longer live in broward county and so like i wasn't allowed to be on the jury of broward whatever wasted a huge amount of my day because i just didn't follow through with <laughs> filling out the form. Um, oops, it happens. Uh, but as I was leaving, I walked up to them and I said, I have no idea how much power you have in this or like any control, but like, do you realize that your videos aren't accessible? And like, if jury duty is something that all of us as American citizens are required to do, don't you think you should make your videos accessible? I highly recommend subtitling them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do that a lot. Like I'll just anywhere where I think there's like places where people things can become more accessible. Um, Not just like subtitles aren't even just for the deaf community, right? Like there's people that have audio processing problems that would benefit from subtitles and um, all of that. So, so my dad is actually hard of hearing and he has hearing aids, and he can only go to the the, like the cinema. What do you call it in America? Cinema. 
movie theater (laughs) you can only go to the movie theater if there's like a certain film on like a tuesday at like 2 p.m with subtitles because otherwise the ones at like 8 p.m on a friday night they don't have them which yeah get that for like a lot of people it'll be annoying to have subtitles but at the same time you're like but you're excluding a lot of people who have to then go on a random date a random time to be able to watch films and feel normal yeah and it's like yeah that's the thing it's like three months later and it's like a one day thing and if you don't go that day you've missed it then it's just I I can't understand how subtitles are annoying no because I'm totally used to it because we have it at home yeah but I mean I don't know because yeah I mean like I think it's like just people that just aren't it's it's just like lack of awareness right like first of all if if you are a uh a person of the world, right? Where like you actually care about making the world a better place. That's like an easy sell is that like put subtitles on because then more people can understand it. Um, But the other thing is that like how often, I can't tell you how many times I've watched something and then I've watched it again with subtitles and I just understand it so much better. Same. I I find actually when I watch films like movies with subtitles, I read it like kind of half read it but half don't read it and if you kind of miss what somebody said because you weren't quite paying attention you can just read it still and it makes I, don't, I find it easier like I'm, I don't know if I'm just used to it though because of circumstance but I really don't mind at all and I yeah yeah an issue I love me. subtitles and also not even just for deaf people or people that are hard of hearing whatever French people to be able to watch English things and understand like there's sometimes you've watched like what was that film and Brad Pitt was Irish and you were like I have no idea what he's saying Oh yeah, heavy accents. Yeah, like yeah, uh, snitch. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, but like heavy accents for anyone. uh, Yeah, I've been using subtitles because at the beginning my English wasn't that good. So when I was watching like an English movie or show or whatever, I could get like fifty percent. So the subtitle were like yeah, filling the gaps. (laughs) So yeah, yeah, that's my that's why that's my next step to learning Hebrew is uh watching some Hebrew TV when with the subtitles on. Yeah, it helps. It helps a lot. <laughs> At the beginning, it was super helpful. Yeah. Um, I've got an idea, but I don't know if that's possible to finish. Can we finish with a song? Uh, yeah, we definitely can. I'll need to um, grab my guitar, which is yeah. outside. Okay, cool. I'll go grab it. <laughs> Thank you. Oh my God, I'm so excited. You guys are in for a real treat. Stick around. I know this is already a bit longer than we usually do, but Tori is incredible and... I can't wait to hear which song she's going to choose. Yeah, I thought about that. Was I'm, I'm going to ask. I don't know <laughs> if we can make it, but it's funny. She, she, she just left to pick up a guitar, but I can see four on the wall. How many guitars have you got? Um, right now I have five. Okay, yeah, because I can see four on the wall. I'm like, why is she going to pick a guitar outside? Like She's got <laughs> four on the wall. Well, so the, the blue one is the one that my grandfather got me for my bat mitzvah. Um, there's a classical guitar there, which is just like the first, it's not the first guitar. It's maybe the second guitar, but it has nylon strings. So it has a very specific sound. Um, the, the, the darker wood one, this one, um, that was my dad's guitar. And then, which I don't, he didn't really ever learn how to play. He just had a guitar. Uh, and then the other guitar was my cousin's guitar that he was like, I have a guitar lying around. Do you want it? And I was like, yes. Um, I had a 12 string once and that one, I, uh, what did I do with it? I, uh, sold it because I don't remember why it just wasn't, 
it wasn't what I needed at the time. So I'm sorry that Jeremy put you on the spot here a little bit, but thank you so much for saying yes. I can't wait. <laughs> she loves to be on the spot. <laughs> yeah. I just hope, because um, the settings on this microphone right now are for like podcast, but uh, it's fine. Should I unplug it and reset it to music? Uh, it should be fine. I'm sure it'll be all right. Okay, we'll be fine. Um, okay, what song to play? I feel like... I feel what like comes, there's a song. What? What comes up? Well, I, I feel like a Jewish song, maybe. Or oh, I don't know. Is that? Well, like, do you want an original song or you want a song just like a song? Uh, an original. Okay. okay an original. So, um, I feel like the the only song that I really should play is is one that sort of relates to all three topics. So, um, that makes the most sense. That so. I don't name my songs. Um, I don't know why. I have a lot of anxiety around putting a name to something. <laughs> um, so I was with a friend and we went to uh, – we went backpacking in – not backpacking. We went hiking in uh, middle of nowhere, Texas, Guadalupe National Park. And um, we uh, – we when we were there Guadalupe National Park has this peak and this peak is like magnificent um and so our plan was to hike up to this peak watch the sunset and then hike down and then as we're driving into Texas of all things it's snowing <laughs> like legitimately in Texas, there's snow falling down. Not, not like it's it's on like there's like a sheet of snow on the ground. So we're we're like we go to the ranger and we're like, is this still a safe hike for us to do? And he's like, ah, you know, there's another trail. Maybe I'll recommend doing that other trail because uh, unless you have the right gear, maybe not. And we were like, well, you know, for some reason, Mister Ranger, we didn't plan for it to snow in the middle of March <laughs> in Texas, but like. Sure. So we were like, but really what we care about is we want to see a really beautiful sunset. So any suggestions? And he was like, well, the sunset anywhere is beautiful. So uh, no matter where you go, you're going to get a great sunset. So we wind up going onto this other trailhead. We are like hiking on this trail. And it turns out the gentleman that owned the land before it was turned into a national park had a house there. And only on Saturdays do they have the house open with volunteers. And we happen to be there on a Saturday. Um, and we're talking to this guy and like, this guy also happened. They're volunteers originally from England now live in Colorado and spend their, their winters in Guadalupe National Park volunteering, like talk about interesting people. Um, and the gentleman was a photographer. And so I was like, oh, you're a photographer. You're the good person to ask. Where should we go see a sunset? And he's like, well, the sunset is not so great here. And I was like, well, that's interesting. He's like, it sets over El Paso and it's flat. What's more beautiful than the sunset is the way it sets on the mountain. And so that's where I recommend. That's what I recommend you see. Uh, and so this song is about the sun setting on the mountain and that experience and also to 
tie it in with Judaism, at the end of the day, uh, on Saturday after sun, sundown, when you see three stars in the sky, is officially when Shabbat has ended. And it's the beginning of the new week, and it's called Havdalah. And um, that second verse is about the stars in the sky. And so uh, not while I was writing it, but after I wrote it and listened to my own lyrics, I was like, wow, this song is also about Havdalah, uh, which literally means separation. It means the separation from our, our time of rest to uh, the rest of the week, the, the holy of Shabbat from the mundane of the rest of the week. And that doesn't mean mundane necessarily in a negative way. But um, so that's this song. it up like embers burning in the sky swirls and spirals painted amber and red fade to darkness only moonlight to shed don't look A pathway up above Orion twinkles He's hungry for love The deep dark of night Dims and disappears As the new day The new day The new day draws me
hours it'll rise again few more hours it'll rise again oh my god goosebumps and tears in my eyes you are beautiful thank you thank you you. beautiful way to close that session that was amazing thank you thank you so much for coming on the podcast it was amazing to hear your whole story to hear about your travel adventures about judaism about everything it's just been so so wonderful to get to know you more and I can't wait to get to more to, to get to know you. There we are. That's my mess up for the. <laughs> I have a mess up every single episode. That's the one. I was gonna say I can't wait to get to know you more in the future. Thank you so much for coming on our podcast, and thank you so much for singing. It was beautiful. Yes, thank you so much for inviting me. It was so fun to share my story, and of course to share my music. Thank you. Um, well, that's it for this week. That's been a longer episode than usual, but I mean, yeah, it was great. Full of. Uh, beautiful story so where can we find you on socials um so you can follow me on instagram tori around the world t-o-r-i-r-o-u-n-d the world um t-h-e-w-o-r-l-d and i've started uh posting covers on my facebook every day um which is my personal Facebook, it's not a page or anything like that. So I link it sometimes in my, um, in my Instagram stories. And then, um, after I played my music this Friday for this thing, I decided I'm going to now start the process of like getting my songs recorded for, yes, yeah. So, uh, that way I can like post them on Spotify and stuff like that. So not yet, but someday soon hopefully amazing that's exciting love it yeah yeah cool well thank you so much once again tori that was an amazing thank you thank you so much uh well that's it for this week uh yeah stay tuned for the next episode next wednesday and as usual if you can please uh leave us a review uh especially on apple podcast that's super helpful for us so yeah uh thanks again and see you next week Also, make sure you like this episode and share it with your friends and family, anyone who might be interested in this story or just any of the stories. Make sure you share them. Go and show Tori some love on Instagram. And thank you so much for listening. We'll see you soon.